we are live. Welcome back to MicroConf on Air. I'm the host, Rob Walling, and every other Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, we live stream for about 30 minutes, and we cover topics related to building and growing ambitious SaaS startups that bring us freedom and purpose and healthy relationships. We do not ask for permission to start companies. We build and ship real products that sell to real customers who pay us real money instead of using excuses like, I need to go build a slide deck instead of actually shipping features, getting people to pay me. I'm excited today for our guest. We're going to talk about how to charge more for your software. And I love these these uh, stories because, you know, MicroConf, Startups for the Rest of Us have really had a message for the past 10, 11 years. And it's usually we're not charging enough. Either we're not charging enough to a particular customer segment or we're not charging enough to all of our customers. And if you're not reevaluating your pricing about every year, it depends on your space. If it's a fast moving competitive space, about every six months. And if it's maybe it's a little slower moving, fewer competitors, 12 to 18 months, um, you should be reevaluating. If you're not doing that, you're falling behind. And so today, I'm going to, in a moment, going to be welcoming Iran Galperin to the show. And we're going to be talking about not only a, a uh, rebrand that they recently did, but talking about how he planned and rolled out a pricing update. Just over the last, it was last month, I believe, because um, he and I were chatting about it. He's in Tiny Seed, the fall batch of Tiny Seed. And so um, we were strategizing and, and he went on and did it. And so that's, that's the kind of stuff we're going to talk about today. And it's a rare microconf uh, on air because we already have an audience question. And uh, we'll get to that in a few minutes. If you have questions uh, for Iran or myself as we move forward, just go ahead and type them into MicroConf Connect in the MicroConf on air channel, or you can type them into the uh, the YouTube chat. So with that, I'm going to welcome Iran Galperin to the show. He's the founder of GymDesk at gymdesk.com. It's online management software for gyms. He's been building tech companies since 2003, about as long as I have, and has over 20 years of experience in software development and leading product teams. Welcome to the show, man. Hi, Rob. It's great to have you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So I want to talk, I want to dig into this pricing change because I think people are going to be really interested to hear about it because they they hear a lot of theory around, oh, you should charge more. But the reality of that is can be stressful and it can be co more complicated than just, well, how much more do I charge? Who do I charge more to? How do I think about this? So do you want to like talk us through a you know, what made you reevaluate and think I'm going to, you know, I am going to raise prices and then be how you went about t trying to do the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, for sure. So I think it's a very common story. Uh, when we just launched, um, literally six, six years ago, January, 2016, um, we had a very basic version of the product that we have today. And we were going up against uh, very powerful uh, competitors in our space, uh, established brands, um, and we priced ourselves in a way that we would compete on price. Um, and over the years, as uh, the product evolved based on user feedback, um, it was becoming obvious that we did not price ourselves correctly to what we have today. I think the pricing that we had worked for us when we launched six years ago, but we were way underpriced uh, coming into 2022. Um, and it's something we thought a lot about before we joined uh, the Tiny Seed Accelerator. Um, we had some conversations with investors um, that mentioned that potentially we're uh, underpriced, but it, it's really hard to find the right timing to do a pricing update. 
um, first of all, there's a lot of anxiety around changing your pricing. A lot of the customers that did join us while we had uh, a lesser version of our product, they, they did so because the pricing was right for them. And we were uh, um, justifiably afraid to lose a lot of those customers um, that grew to rely on us to manage their business. Um, so just for the audience, a little bit about what Gymdesk is. Uh, we provide online management software for gyms, uh, martial arts schools, uh, yoga studios, and any kind of membership type business. Um, and they basically use it to run their entire business. So um, we also built a personal relationship with a lot of those businesses. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell them when they rely on you to manage their business, it's like, okay, now it's going to cost a lot more because we did uh, um, raise prices significantly. Um, but the point came where it was time to update our pricing and we were in the tiny seed accelerator. That's one of the uh, main talking points that you guys make. Um, and I decided it was time. We were also updating our brand, which we will talk about in a little bit. And I felt like together, um, that was the time to do it. Right. That makes sense. And I, I like that you brought up the anxiety around it because that is something that it's easy to say you should raise your prices. It is hard to do raise your prices. And every time I've done it, it has really stressed me out. So I think nuts and bolts wise then, how did you arrive at new at the new pricing tiers? And right. can you give us an idea of what kind, you know, what the increase was like, and then we could, then we'll get into grandfathering, like you know, because that's yeah. a whole other topic. That right now we're just talking. When you say raise prices in a SaaS app, it's like, well, I'm going to update my pricing page so new customers pay more. But then you have to go think: Do I also raise on existing? Right. So when we picked our original pricing, I did do a lot of price comparison with our competitors, and I priced ourselves a little bit below everything they offered. Now over the years, they also updated their pricing. And we didn't follow suit. So um, to prepare for this, I went over everything that they do with pricing because there's a lot of different approaches. Uh, some people do it um, based on feature, based on usage, uh, some combination. Um, and there's some interesting uh, pricing uh, plans that I saw some of our competitors do. Um, I wanted to keep it simple. I believe simplicity is um, especially for uh, products that appeal to very small businesses. Simplicity is very important to um, stay uh, simple for them to understand. I, I don't know how else to put it um, because they have so much to worry about. As a small business owner, I am one, you are one. There's just so much we do. Um, if it's an enterprise type SaaS, completely different sales process. You know, you talk to somebody who's all... Um, job is to decide whether to purchase you or not. Um, it's not the same. So um, we shopped around, we looked at everybody's prices and we said, we don't want to be the budget option anymore. So this time I'm not going to price myself under my competitors. I'm going to price myself around or even over what they charge. Um, so I went from being uh, a value uh, option to being uh, middle of the pack and in practice, most of our plans uh, were raised by over 50%, which is a major increase. Mm -hmm. um, so for our current customers, I came up with a plan to kind of um, make it 
down easy for them and also to uh, kind of reward them for being with us uh, when we were a much lesser product. Um, so I gave them uh, a grandfathered option for three months. So we launched the pricing update January 1st, and they're going to stay with their previous pricing until April 1st. And then they're going to move to a discounted plan compared to uh, our new pricing, um, about 25% less than what the new pricing is. So they get their original pricing for three months and then a discounted plan forever until um, they upgrade to a higher tier or we update our pricing again. So hmm. That's basically how we went about it. And I wrote down an email that we kind of crafted together um, explaining the rationale for the price increase. Our product has evolved. It's basically unrecognizable from what we had six years ago. Um, inflation alone increased by about 16% hmm. over those six years. And um, most of our customers responded very positively to that. Uh, some, of, some of them even wrote back and said, uh, congrats, you deserve a raise, hmm. um, cool. which I found uh, very nice because like you said, I did have some anxiety and concern about raising prices. Not everybody was happy, obviously. Nobody likes their prices being raised, but nobody um, took it too far as to say, you know, uh, we're leaving, we're going to trash you on social media, which was my main concern. It's like a lot of angry customers. It's like, oh, um, we depend on you to run our business and you go and raise our prices and now we can't afford you. Uh, so none of that happened. Very happy with that. Yeah. Yeah, because that happens. I mean, I've seen it happen to Intercom. Has like They quadrupled their price a few years ago, and then they backed away from it because people were so angry. Yep. When Netflix raises their price by a dollar or two, people, you know, they're, they're very price sensitive. And I'd imagine gyms and yoga studios and fitness studios are are pretty price sensitive compared to whatever, a funded tech startup, right? It's like, they because they're kind of, I mean, it's a small business with, with relatively tight margins. Is that right? Well, it's also an interesting part of the equation. So a lot of our customers were really in the very tiny um, kind of business um, because that's how we price ourselves. Uh, the the larger studios and gyms, they're not as price sensitive. Mm -hmm. it, it's not a big concern to them whether it costs ninety bucks or one fifty. Uh, it's a small expense compared to their um, volume, but the small ones, they're very price sensitive, mm -hmm. um, and in my experience, I also found those types of businesses uh, to be the most demanding customer service wise. Mm -hmm. So part of the plan with this pricing update was even though, um, you know, I didn't want to lose those customers, there, there's some that um, I'm fine with losing if you don't they mind losing them. Yeah. Made, yeah. Made a ruckus around raising their prices. Right. Yeah. Someone paying and, you fifteen dollars, twenty dollars a month, and yeah. when you have people paying you hundreds, and they have need five, you know, five times more hand holding or whatever, I've definitely. Yeah, that that was also part of. So we do get a lot of inquiries over the years. We got a lot of inquiries where people come in and they're like, "I'm so small, I want a discount over your smallest package." And sometimes I did concede. It's like, yeah, they they are very small. And they need a solution. I, and I put them on discounted plans that ended up costing us more than they were worth because those people 
uh, once once they're in, they like they want you to do everything for them because the, their mindset is that we're already paying you. It's like mm-hmm. you should be able to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm fine with not getting that type of customer going forward. Uh, we we don't want to be the budget and then it's like, okay, we have a bunch of demands. I want to be mid-tier and it's like, this is a pricing and this is a product and we're proud of what we have. Um, not to say we stopped accepting user feedback because that's always been a major growth engine for us, but um, I'm fine with not having the people who think their dollar should go way more than anything else. Um, so yeah, yeah um, that, that's another consideration there. Yeah, we have a comment uh, from Christopher in YouTube. He's agreeing with you. He says, if your business is staying afloat from said software and you value your tools and business growth, why wouldn't you pay more if it's really helping, right? He's communicating that, yeah. that you know, and some people see it that way and some people don't. And and that's the thing. Yeah, it's, um, it's a different mindset. Yeah, you, you definitely... You, you you're communicating a confidence you have to have a confidence in your product to do what you did which is to go from the lowest to a mid-tier and to basically say price was potentially an advantage you may have won deals in the past based on price probably did um and to say you know what that's not our value anymore like we're still a good we're still a good value but we are not the value option the cheap option that actually our product stands up you know to the rest of the space um, did you have to build up to that confidence or when you were changing pricing, were you thinking, nah, this, this is where we are. Um, so I all, already had that confidence, uh, for the last year or so, um, our company really took off in 2020 and 2021, even with COVID, um, because our industry has been heavily impacted by it. 2020 started off with a bang. We just completed a redesign of our entire user interface. Um, and we've seen conversion rates that we haven't seen ever. Uh, coupled with our organic leads growing over time, we've seen uh, MRR growth months that showed an amazing trajectory until March uh, when COVID hit yep. and everybody started shutting down their gyms, their studios. Uh, we got a bunch of emails like, I'm going to need to freeze my plan. Mm-hmm. April, May, first months ever with negative MRR. Wow. Um, and then it kind of uh, fizzled out. Um, and by winter, we were back on the horse. I think without COVID, uh, 2020 would have been amazing for us. Still ended up being very strong. And 2021, um, I guess because many of our customers are U.S.-based, as being just gangbusters. It's mm-hmm. like we basically m- more than doubled our MRR in 2021, um, where it was already pretty substantial in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So at this give, point, yeah. Do, do you want right. to give people an idea of um, like where you at, are at in terms of size? You don't have to say your revenue, but a number of employees, um, how many customers approximately, yeah. even if you're vague? Um, yeah, I'm completely fine with sharing our numbers. So we hit uh, 45K MRR last month. Good for you, man. Um, plus we get now significant revenue from uh, revenue share with payment processors. Um, so I'm still not comfortable including that in, in the MRR, but that's an additional five, six mm-hmm. K a month. We have 
around 600 customers now. Um, each one of those is a business with hundreds of members. Some of those have multiple locations. Um, and uh, what, what was the last metric that you um, used? I was saying how, how big your team size. Oh, the team size, right. So we now have five full-time employees. We started the, the year with just me. Wow, um, you really yeah. hired this year. I yeah. didn't realize that. I didn't realize you went from one to five, yeah. Yeah, it, it was gradual. I added um, my first full-time hire in August, marketing guy that has worked with us uh, uh, on a contract basis in the past. Excellent fit. Then I added our first customer service person. Best decision of 2021. It took so much stress off of me. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I, I've been doing customer service myself for almost six years. And as we got to this size, it, it was becoming an, uh, a data interruption. Yep. I wasn't spending so much time as I was spending mental energy on it. Yeah, It was time. really bringing me down. So now we have two customer service people. Uh, we service two different time zones. I also added uh, a QA person that helps with other aspects of the business uh, and myself, five full-time employees. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Founders listening to this, don't do your own support for six years. This is not a thing. When I, the last SaaS company I started, I did it for about, we we launched and I did it for about three or four months. And I was like, I, I just can't do this anymore. And so yeah. I hired somebody and I still was, I was, I still had my finger on the pulse. I still would skim through them because I wanted it. We were still so early. I wanted to know the feedback. He would escalate a lot of things to me still, but it was, I wasn't that frontline ding. I have to stop writing code ding. I have to stop writing this blog post ding. You know what I mean? And that's the, yeah. that was the stress that I think you're referring to where it isn't that many hours, but it's the interruption that kills you, you know, and it, it's not, it. it's not just that. So that interesting, you brought it up because that was also part of our previous pricing consideration. I was very against um, like doing sales calls and taking customer service calls in general. People would like, I want to speak to you on the phone. I'm like, sorry, online only. And kind of filtering out the people that are not comfortable with that. Uh, we built our service to be very self-service oriented. So we don't get a lot of volume, but now we do accept people want to have a, a phone or a video chat. Um, with someone to go over the software. We do um, live demos. Uh, my customer service people, they kind of function both as actual customer service, but also as basic salespeople. Uh, because the product is so good, all they have to do is walk the customer through it. And usually that closes the deal right there. Um, so yeah. Yeah, that is that is nice. So we have a question from the audience. It's from Dan in MicroConf Connect. And it's an interesting one. It's one I've never heard I've never heard asked before. He says, are there ways to ask certain satisfied customers that are getting a ton of value to pay more? And if you have questions and you're in the audience, please ask them. We'll be taking them for the next few minutes as we talk about this one. And, and then hopefully we have time to talk about the rebrand. I will weigh in on this first. So I've never heard of anyone doing that. Although I personally would think about a way of like, if they're getting a ton of value, how can you measure that value and then structure, restructure your pricing such that that is just your pricing now that it's not like, they're not like edge case individuals. It's like they have 10,000 subscribers and everyone else only has 1000. I'm just going to charge based on subscribers. That's a very simple way to do it. But I would try to think, is there a way to measure the value they're getting? Is it number of locations, number of seats, number of whatever? Cause it, 
I won't say it feels unfair, but maybe it does, right? If you literally single out three companies and you're like, you're getting a lot of value, I'm going to double your pricing. They're going to, I think there could be friction there. What do, what do you think, Iran? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think it really depends on the product that you offer. Uh, for us, we, d- we are able to track uh, multiple metrics in which the business is using us. Um, and we can tell, there's definitely customers that get more out of the product. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily um, willing to pay more, mm-hmm. right? Some of them might be budget conscious because they're smaller. Um, but I also have their full business metrics, so I can tell who can afford to pay more. Right. But still, I didn't want to go about it like that. I didn't want people to feel they're getting singled out because they make more money. I know personally that that's something... A lot of our competitors, they don't offer um, a free trial like we do, where you just sign up and you can try the product. You have to go through a sales call. And usually that sales call uh, is also a qualifying call where they kind of determine how much you're going to be able to pay and they price you accordingly. I hate when people do that to me and I don't do that to my for my customers. So everybody can see our pricing is transparent and um they pay according to that. Um, so uh, I personally wouldn't do that, but maybe with a different product, it would make sense. Yeah, I could, the exception I can think of, I was just trying to think as you were talking is, I think if you are mostly enterprise sales, that's kind of how it's done. It's yeah, usually, it. yep, and you usually need these big contracts because they are kind of a pain. And if you signed a contract with someone and... Yeah, let's say they were getting a ton more value. You typically have annual contracts that renew, and then that next renewal, you could you could approach them and say, you know, we're going to double your price, but you need some justification for it, and then see what happens. And they'll either flip out and say they're going to cancel, and then you say, well, we won't double it. What if we go up fifty percent? You know, it becomes a negotiation at that point. But yep. it's different because you are mostly mostly or solely self serve, you know, at this point, and that's a different it's a different business. It's true. Even though we started crossing the line into enterprise sales. Um, near the end of last year, right after this uh, um, event, I have a call with a customer that has 50 locations. At that, at that point, it's going to be enterprise pricing. Mm-hmm. Like our pricing ends at about five locations, and then it's like, call us to talk about it. We do have a formula. We don't invent it for each customer. But yeah, uh, we started doing that, that kind of pricing uh, we just onboarded our first kind of enterprise customer, which is going to be paying double what our largest paying customer previously uh, ever paid, which is very exciting for us. Mm-hmm. And in addition, they're going to bring significant uh, revenue share with their payment volume. Um, that, that customer alone is worth a month, a full month of MRR growth from last mm-hmm. year. That's yeah. awesome. So, that's great. So we have about five minutes left. I want to ask you about this rebrand. So yes. you used to be the, I mean, as of two months ago, you weren't gym desk, you were martial arts on rails. And so correct. not only did you rename, you have a new logo, you have a new domain. And did you also, you redesigned the site as well? Um, no, the site design stayed basically okay. the same. Because you had already redone that. Yeah. Like last year. Okay. That so is. yeah, what's the you know, why did you consider a rebrand and then how did it go? Yeah. So when we just launched, we were very focused on martial arts schools. 
that's my background. I've been training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for now almost 15 years, at the time nine years. Um, so that's that's what I knew how those kind of uh, gyms operate. Mm-hmm. Um, we branded ourselves that way, and the naming also was determined by available domain. Right. Um, always a a problem for online businesses. It's really hard to find good domains. Um, but as time went on, we started acquiring uh, customers from other types of membership businesses. Obviously, fitness gyms, yoga studios are obvious ones, but we even had uh, a car wash chain join. It kind of opened my eyes to what is possible with the right branding. Um, because it was very obvious that a lot of businesses are avoiding us because our brand is very martial arts oriented. Mm. It literally, it was literally in our name. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew a, a rebrand was necessary. Again, timing is always difficult. I'm always head down in the product. Um, but I, I decided that with the pricing update, that was a good time to do that as well. Um, finding a good name and a good domain was a huge pain. I bet. We, we settled on it literally five days or four days before the rebrand. We kept like, I bought a bunch of domains. Oh man. And I'm like, none of these is like it. And then I came up with Gym Desk. You know, it, it already conveys what we're doing. Um, Sevenletter.com too. Yeah. It's a it's a really good name. Everyone who has heard it and everyone who I've told it to has said that's a good name for that. Yeah. Did you did you pay? It was it nine bucks for that domain, no. or did you? Yeah, no. cool. So Are, I saw it's available as a premium domain. Never okay. purchased a premium domain. That was a whole story by itself. For a couple of weeks, I was in limbo after I purchased it. Um, I I went through GoDaddy because they supposedly had it. They didn't have it. Hmm. They had to go and get it from the owner. Right. Um, but eventually we got it just in time for the new year to roll in. I planned uh, I planned the domain migration, which is another huge um, undertaking. Mm-hmm. Um, very scary because our main acquisition channel was organic. But it, it went well. Um, we did take a hit on SEO, but uh, surprisingly, two weeks later, we're already picking back up. Um, and yeah, everybody w- um, gave us feedback of how much they love the new name and branding, especially our fitness um, and boutique gym uh, businesses. They're like, you're going to crush it hmm. with the new name. Mm-hmm. Um, we avoided you for a long time because of the name. And now it's like, no reason this is it. every yep. gym uh, wouldn't want to use you. Yeah. That's awesome. Man, that's got to feel good. How, yeah, do you have does. any, was there any? F- fallout any negative stuff from from the rebrand any other feedback or like seo you know just anything that yeah so the domain change itself um brought up a bunch of issues that we had to tackle um for a while some of our customers were not able to access our website Mm. for weird reasons somehow the domain we bought which sounds very um naive but it, it was flagged as 18 plus in some countries Wow. And people people that had a content filter on their phones suddenly couldn't access it. And it huh. took us a while to figure that out. Yeah. One of our customers kind of they, they called their mobile provider and they're like, Oh yeah, we're not serving that website because it's marked as 18 plus. 
Um, so once they disable their content filter, I reached out to those networks and asked to be delisted. They have a, a channel for that. But weird stuff like that came up. Um, but so we're pretty much over the bulk of it now. Yep. That's cool. We got a comment from Christopher Leslie. He says, just pulled up Jim Desk, and honestly, you guys are worth the cost. I'm sure that Thanks. Uh, Aaron, Thanks, Christopher. Appreciate it. Aaron likes hearing that. Well, we are at about time, sir. Thanks so much for joining me today. If folks want to keep up with you on Twitter. It's your first and last name, Aaron yep. Galperin. And of course, jimdesk.com if they want to see what you're up to. Thanks, yep. for taking Thanks so time. much, Rob. Absolutely. Great chatting with you. All right, and thanks to you for coming back every other week. Um, as we roll out, I want to let you know Tiny Seed Batch 5, the spring batch. It's actually, there's going to be an America's Batch and uh, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, an EMEA Batch. So those applications open on Monday. Head to tinyseed.com. Uh, that's Monday the, what is that, the 21st? No, that's not true. 24th of January. Um if you're interested in learning about how B2B SaaS and no-code intersect, head over to microconfremote.com, and it's $30 for six recordings of six talks at microconfremote that we held just a month or two ago. We also have an information session um, that we're doing next Tuesday for the Tiny Seed Batch. It's uh, like a one-hour Q&A live, so sign up for that, um, tinyseed.com, if you're interested. And as always, thank you to Hay and Stripe for being our headline partners for 2022, if you're interested in sponsoring any of the MicroConf events or offerings, don't hesitate to reach out. Support at microconf.com. And I'll see you back again here, same time, same place, in two weeks. Thanks for joining me.